Higher World Works is sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer and save up to 80% compared to a postage meter. Sign up for a no-risk trial and a $110 bonus offer when you visit Stamps.com and use the promo code WORLD. That's Stamps.com. The promo code is WORLD. This is the Higher World Works podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dupsick. Joining me today, Popular Mechanics Senior Editor Jacqueline Detweiler. Hi, thanks for having me. Jackie, do you ever leave this room anymore? Uh, no, I, I live in here. I actually have a bed underneath the table now. That's creepy. Yeah. Next guest, <laughs> Mechanics Tech Editor Alex George. Hello. Can you just say one or two sentences about the magnet in your pants? <laughs> the magnet in my pants? I knew you were going to ask about the magnet in my pants. It's You put it in your right pocket, and then you put this little sliver of metal on the back of your phone between the phone and the case, and you can just walk around the world with your phone just adhering to the outside of your pants. <laughs> That's what is the world coming One to? step above the dad belt clip that yeah. you, know, you see a lot of people wearing. If it gets rid of fanny packs, I'll sign up. I was hoping, yes. I was hoping that was a metaphor, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, tending bar today is editorial assistant Cameron Johnson. Hello. Glad you could be here. Glad to be here. Especially the gin that you brought with you. Yeah, that should be good. Yeah. So on today's show, we're going to talk about a few different things. Um, first up is prisons and whether or not interior design and architecture can fix them. After that, we're going to take a look at a new computer that's incredibly cheap and could be democratizing computing. Uh, and the last thing we're going to look at is how to drop acid into a cocktail. We're going to torch some limes and drink some gin. Wait, we're dropping acid and we're and using a blowtorch? Yeah. Your, your podcast is so much more this fun. Is, I know, right? Um, but first, let's talk about these prisons. Jackie, this is this is you. What can you tell us about what's changing with prisons? Yeah, I mean, people have been looking into uh, using architecture to improve the humaneness of prisons for a long time. Um, back in, I think it was the 1930s, people were really into um, creating situations where there was more daylight for people. Um, they don't want, just want a warehouse prisoners mm-hmm. and, and make it... I mean, the loss of freedom is enough of a punishment, kind of. Um, you don't want to be punishing people so severely that they are ruined forever and end up back in prison and becoming lifetime criminals. Um, so this is this is kind of a move toward the United States doing what is going on in Europe. Yeah. Um, Norway, for example, is very famous for having prisons that are humane, that have... Uh, outdoor space that have community style policing, community style mm-hmm. sleeping arrangements, and they have a much lower recidivism rate than the United States. So, in the United States, um, 68% of people who are released from prison within five years will end up back in the system for a new crime, which is insane. That it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, uh, what is that, three out of four prisoners go back to jail. And there's a lot of prisoners. <clears throat> to there's, begin a, with. there's a lot of prisoners to begin with, absolutely. So, um, in Norway, which um, obviously there's different um, environmental effects there, there's different community sorts of effects there, but uh, their recidivism rate is 20%. So what these two architecture firms that I was talking to, uh, they built this facility, Las Colinas Women's Prison. It's a, it's a jail, I believe. It's a okay. detention center out in San Diego. And there were two architecture firms that worked on it, and what they did basically was borrow ideas from colleges and uh, and from hospitals, which both use environmental psychology to manipulate how people interact with their environment. Yeah, wait, sorry, environmental psychology. 
Yeah, I know. Environmental psychology, it's, it doesn't seem like it should be a thing. Um, but the, there was a psychologist that, uh, who's done a lot of work on this that we actually talked to for the story, Richard Wenner, who is mm-hmm. uh, at NYU. He he's, works in the engineering department, actually, but he's a, an environmental psychologist. And he studies things like how whether there are colors or like drab, dark, institutional colors versus colors that are found in nature and whether there are large windows and natural light and <clears throat> open book- booking areas and things like that and how that affects what people um, experience when they come into a jail. And it's not, it's not that you're trying to make it really pleasant for people. It's not supposed to be fun, really. It's, right. ju- it's just that, you know, if you treat people like animals, if you give them no ability to exercise um, control over their environment, especially in a place where you're being imprisoned and there's a lot of stress there, um, they'll act like animals. So what are some of the specific techniques that they're using at this uh, jail? Right. So this jail, um, it, it, for example, there is uh, the biggest one is community-style policing. So instead of having the guards separated in a guard tower or you know behind bars or mm-hmm. behind a window, they're actually in the rooms with them. So in the living areas, there's like a place where the guard will be there. Um, and so what happens is, you know, the guards, first of all, can experience um, they're, they're more involved in a day to day basis. So they're they're less likely to get into kind of fights yeah. with people. And, the, you know, people people act more normally, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that sounds kind of like what's it's just, been it's talked more, about. It's with, more normalized, I guess, is the yeah. best with like community it. policing. Also, it's, I mean, like, it this is, is very, like a very similar, similar idea. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, is there a reason why this was a women's prison they, that they tried this with? Um, I think that, well, no, it, in San Diego, it basically was the San Diego Sheriff's Department was just interested in having, in doing this. Um, and kind of what you need is you need the money to do it. And you also need to have a sheriff's office that is interested in just trying it out. Um, and this was, I believe this prison was just one that was up for an update. Mm-hmm. And so they just went for it. They could easily do it in a men's, pr- men's prison as well. To state the contrary point of view, wouldn't the point of them to be a not welcoming environment? Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, I've, I've heard that perspective from a few people. And I think, um, I mean, I get it. I get it. Like, if, first of all, if you're, if you're imagining these horrific crimes that you hear about, somebody tried to, you know, blow up a school or you know, somebody's a really horrible person... There's two things there. First of all, most of the prisoners in the United States prison population are not that person. It's not as effective for them. Um, and also, it's it's regardless of whether we have a natural instinct to punish people in that way, it doesn't end up well in the long run, either for uh, the prisoners themselves or for the rest of society. Yeah, well, it seems to me, too, like we already have you know, different, uh, you know, there's multiple prison environments in the United States. Like if you're concerned that we're treating like killers too nicely, you don't have to put, you know, killers don't have to get access to all of these changes right well, away. And they don't. Right? I mean, this is, this uh, facility is really for, especially the, even within this facility, um, there are levels of security. And so I think there's six of them. And so if you're at level six, if you're at like the highest security mm-hmm. level, you're not getting all of these privileges. You're not getting to go to the amphitheater. You're not getting to walk on the walking trails. You know, you, you'll get the light still because that's, you, know, you can't deprive yeah. people of light. But there are, um, there are a lot of privileges that you kind of have to earn. And that's part of how this works is that you're not just warehousing people um, in a way that they have no opportunity to gain privileges. And so, right. you know, it's, it's reward-based. It's, reward it's the yeah. same as school or it's the same as any of those kinds of situations where if you give people opportunities to uh, make their own situation better, then they will be more likely to work toward that. And that's a more normative environment that is better, um, better when you leave. And the, the real world is like that. So you, yeah. you, want it, you want the prison to be as much like the real world as possible so people don't, they don't just think, well, I only know how to do one thing and that's crime. 
Should do an office policy if anyone on staff here has been arrested. Is anyone? In this room? I have not been. I've never been arrested. Have you? Once, yeah. <laughs> what did you no, do? No, I mean, usually that's it's not like, the person who suggests the poll. I know. Has been arrested. <laughs> I was hoping for some sympathetic hand-raising of some sort. Of solidarity, at least. Wait, can but we have... Yeah. Uh, now you have to share. <laughs> yeah, come on. Got into trouble one night and spent the night in the holding tank. You gotta explain is, why. Uh, does so, it involve gin and a butane torch? <laughs> no, but... How, how about a magnet in your pants? <laughs> <laughs> Both at once. Long story. <laughs> It was uh, it was getting into stupid things and kind of trespassing in a Southern California beach town that <laughs> eventually. <laughs> so this was almost your prison. By the way, Jack, our producer, could you put something at, before I ask that question where I tell my mom to stop listening? Because I don't think she knows about that. <laughs> I know she listens and sends it to her friends. So. Well, maybe you can redeem yourself by telling us about the $9 computer. Sure. I, <laughs> I've, I've made good since then. This thing is called Chip, and it uh, was invented in Oakland, California. It's basically like the size of a credit card, and it looks like this idea you have of you know, a circuit board with this kind of green color uh, silicon and a couple of transistors, a uh, processor. So in my mind, this is a way to get more computers into the hands of more people. Yeah, that's what I thought originally, too. But the basic idea behind it is if you take, if you take a Mac laptop and you get rid of all the extra stuff, the display, the casing, all that kind of stuff, all the, you know, all the memory you need to run Spotify, all those things, you get down to just the essential components. It's basically a processor, a little bit of memory, uh, video out or something like that. And that's basically what this is. This is only these like tiny little parts. It does Bluetooth. It does Wi-Fi. Um, it can play video. Um, and the idea is that it's about the size of a credit card. And what that means for people who really know what they're doing is you can do use it to do stuff like s you can run your coffee pot from your phone. You can set your, uh, you can have a light switch turn on and then that'll signal your garage door to open or something like that. So this is basically guys who want to tinker with everything. And it is the essential component to basically any, you know, like any Internet of Things idea that you've heard of. This is basically a platform where, for nine bucks, you can try and build something on your own with it. So this is for tinkers, inventors, and guys who just want to kind of make something new. And then this will give you the basic parts that you need to make something smart or connected. So without a screen or anything, how do you actually like? How do you actually program to it, or how do you, how do you tell it what to do? You have to have a another laptop that you can use to get. Uh, samples for coding or whatever. And then there's a plug in there that's an old-fashioned uh, Y, I think it's called a Y output. Anyway, it's a video plug that you use to hook it up to. You can hook it up to a, I don't know. I mean, one of the projects I saw was a guy who put Donkey Kong and he could play it on like an old CRT monitor that he found <laughs> uh, from Salvation Army. Like those kinds of, that's how it yeah. works basically. So you can either but, invent like the next brilliant health gadget or you can just make a play 1980s video game. Yeah. I'm more predisposed. Oh, I was never good at Donkey Kong, but something from that era. I like the Game Boy one actually the most. Oh, Game yeah. Boy, Donkey Kong. But so okay, so so you so you write your program, you do the programming on your nine hundred dollar computer, but then there's the catch. Yes. You load it onto this, and then you can you know, then you play Donkey Kong. Yeah, basically. So you give it all these commands and these conditionals and stuff like that, and then you set it free and hook it up to, you know garage door opener, those kinds of things, and it'll, it's basically a brain for whatever you're using. Cool. Do, do they already have, like you were saying, products where the prototype, are there any that are already out that were kind of based on this platform, do you know? Not for this one. Uh, Raspberry Pi has ended up with, that's a lot of, um, 
specifically for this one, the idea is that a lot of medical devices will come up with this. So there's a lot of competitions and prizes to come up with a way to, you know, uh, a glucose meter that doesn't require pricking your finger, stuff like that. And, you know, it's all using these kind of basic principles, but coming mm -hmm. up with ways to use them in synchronization. So like for that glucose meter, you can get, I forget the exact word for it, a photosensitive uh, reader on one side and then a halogen light on the other, and it can read your glucose based on the readings between those. And then you use something like this, and that's what will relay it to your phone or to a display or something like that. So it's basically the brain that will take some kind of a reading and give it some way, make it something that's actually useful. Yeah. Are these pretty stable, like stable, durable? Will they? Oh, no. No. That's why they're $9. And the whole idea is that you <laughs> use it. People will make you know, prototypes from it. And then the idea is that once you show, you know, that's where a lot of these Kickstarter you know, ideas come from. They'll show it to you in this form, and they'll, they'll be using one of these. You couldn't, you couldn't ship this across the country and expect it to work when you get there. It's, you know, it's this mess of wires and green circuit boards and all that, which is kind of cool in its own way. But then that's where the prototypes come from. You know, nowadays, everything happens on demand, like this podcast, except for those few times we put it out late, you can get it whenever you want. So my question for you is, why are you dealing with limited hours at the post office when there's a way for you to get postage on demand from Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package with your own computer or printer whenever you want. Unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes 24-7 whenever you need it, postage is at the ready. And I got to tell you, that's a big deal. Postage isn't so simple anymore. If you got a small business, you got a lot of things to mail, I don't know how you figure out how much postage you owe. The other day I had to mail a manila envelope. I don't know how much that costs. And when I look at the stamps to try and figure it out, they just say forever. There's no number on there. I like the flag, but I don't know what forever means. So go to stamps.com and use our promo code WORLD to take advantage of this special offer. It's a four-week trial with a $110 bonus offer that includes a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in WORLD. That's stamps.com. Enter world. All right, so for the next segment, we're going to head over to the bar, and we're going to learn a little bit about how uh, acid, in this case from citrus, limes, uh, can make your cocktails better. Cameron, you're going to mix up a drink for us, is that right? Yeah, I work for tips as well, just to let you know. Okay, so, so we've, got, we've got the bar set up. He's got a few limes, uh, some ice cocktail shaker, I think, this is, I think those glasses are called coupes, is that right? Uh, those are champagne coupes, yes. A couple of champagne coupes. And uh, the key ingredient we, we mentioned earlier was a butane torch, which I, I think... Well, actually, Cameron, why don't you tell us what you're going to do with it? I'm going to use this butane torch, and I'm going to sear the uh, lime so that it caramelizes all the sugars, and hopefully we'll make this gimlet a little bit better. So basically, when you make a cocktail, it has to have acid in it. Mm -hmm. um, not Not all of them. It depends on what style of cocktail you're making, but... If you're making a sour-based cocktail or um, smashes or certain categories of cocktails that use a citrus juice and a, um, a sugar and a liquor to, to make it, you have to have a balance. That's really what bartenders mm -hmm. do is they're balancing all the ingredients. And so when you see all these crazy cocktails, they're like, oh, it's grapefruit juice now or it's whatever. It's, you know, I don't even know what people do anymore. But yeah. <laughs> celery juice, you're, you put in all these different ingredients, but you still have to balance really the sugar and the sour. They make it so that you can taste the flavors of the alcohol, but you don't get that huge rush of just alcohol to your palate and to your face. Right. Um, and so with this drink, a gimlet is a pretty sour drink. It's um, 
you know, there's simple syrup in it, but there's a lot of lime juice and then gin, which is a, a mm -hmm. very, uh, I mean, it's very floral and you want to try to get the florals out of that without putting so much sour and so much sugar in it that you're overpowering the gin. Yeah. Um, and so Todd Mall, who is a bartender um, that we interviewed for this story, uh, he, he's a, a you know, very big bartender, not yeah. just like the guy on the street. Um, he had this idea that, you know, you could use a centrifuge to spin out like the, if a, with a lime, the pith, the parts yeah. of it that are, you know, but that's the part that's the most sour. Right. And so with a centrifuge, you can spin that out and then you get a clarified lime juice and that is less sour. So you don't have to use as much sugar. You have a little bit. It's just it, it, the lime juice itself is more balanced to begin with. And so you yeah. don't have to overpower. You're not overpowering the gin as much. Right behind Jackie's head, by the way, we see Cameron with a blue flame yeah. roasting what appears to be limes. Yeah, and Cameron, is there... Uh, He's, please don't light that mic on fire. <laughs> There's no... <laughs> yeah, you might want to keep that a little bit further away. <laughs> we should note that this isn't exactly a kitchen torch. It's a Dremel. <laughs> yeah, this is for, <laughs> this is for soldering. Um, yeah. And There's almost certainly some rule that we're not supposed to be doing oh, this in this office yeah, building. No question. It's I'm, starting to smell yeah, really good, though. It comes with solder <laughs> really in the good. box, so... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this came with solder, but it did not come with limes. Is there a reason um, that's supposed to be a butane? As a, you can't do this with a Bic lighter. It, I, I don't believe you can because I think it would not be hot You'd enough. You'd melt your thumb probably. Uh -huh. That's true too. But I see you have a coffee filter. Is that to, is that to strain it instead of a centrifuge? Yes. We're, you're straining it out to get out the, those impurities and to get the solids out essentially. Because you have little like flecks of brown stuff in your gimlet. Exactly. Right. Cause that's, that's, because that's aren't not centrifuges like really expensive? I don't actually know $150 how much. 150 to $300. Oh. oh, there you go. I don't think I've ever Take been to a bar that has a centrifuge on in the area next to the blender. Oh, I would go there. You might be surprised, actually. I'm sure you I would, really Yeah, there's yeah. one, yeah. and I'm not going to remember, but there is a bar that that's what they do. They, they have all these all this incredible science equipment that they just use for all. They have, like, a refractometer that they use to measure. For what? Or, so a refractometer, you can, you can measure the bricks, the level of bricks, B-R-I-X, which is the sweetness. So actually, that would be really good to use with something like this. Is yeah. it's, it, it uses the refraction of light through a liquid to tell how, like, how sweet something is. So if you're making, like a lot of bars, a lot of bars they batch things. Mm -hmm. They'll batch their simple syrup. They'll yeah. batch cocktails that they're going to use later. Um, and so if you're going to make an ingredient, like they were using it for orgit syrup. Um, which they were making in-house, which you use it for it's grenadine really or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so you, if you want to make it exactly the same every time and you're not sure, like, how sweet the fruit you're getting is or yeah. whatever you're using in it, you can use a, bricks, uh, a refractometer to make sure the bricks are always the same. Well, I want to know when there's going to be a $9 refractometer. I want to democratize, <laughs> I want to democratize bricks. You can build one out of a, out of a chip. <laughs> All right. So Cameron now is uh, juicing his seared lime through a coffee filter. What's the rule? If it's got citrus, you shake it, and otherwise you stir it. Yeah, ge uh, generally you want to. You don't. Th there's a theory that you can bruise the alcohol if it's uh, if it's a, an all liquor drink. Um, so you stir martinis, you stir Manhattans, you stir anything that uh, doesn't have. You can shake a martini too. Really? You can't. You can't. Yeah, you can shake a martini, but it's, it's like kind of accepted practice that you want to stir something that's liquor forward, and you want to shake something that has citrus in it. And we have our finished product. And I think we should also mention on air that Cameron actually cut a very nice wedge for garnish. There is a very nice wedge on that. It's good. Awesome. It's really good. Here, do you want to taste it? Cameron? Yeah, sure. Like, I've had a lot of gimlets. It, it really, the sourness, it tastes a lot less sour yeah, than a standard that gimlet too. does. It's a little sweeter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you'd probably, you could probably almost even use, like, slightly less simple in that if you wanted to. I think to. so, too, yeah. This is, I think we're ready for Stupid or Amazing. I think we're, I think that's, well, we're getting there. <laughs> that's what it means. So, for Stupid or Amazing, today we're going to talk about the Grava, which is a, uh, 
So it's a camera kind of like a GoPro that you can put on your bike or your helmet or your lapel, film everything that you're doing. And what's different about this camera is that it automatically edits for you based on cues from different sensors that it has. It puts together like a supercut of all the good things that are happening as it's filming. So the way it does this is it tries to, to mimic the way that we actually store and create memories, at least if you believe the video, which is that when um, it picks up something moving in the frame, for example, it thinks like, okay, this is probably something interesting. So like if you're filming a field and all of a sudden like a deer runs by, it sees that movement. And so when it's editing, it says, okay, we'll keep this stuff. This also has like a heart sensor. So it knows like when you get excited, if you're wearing the sensor, so it can say, okay, well, the camera right now is recording something that makes this person excited or afraid or in love. And so then it puts that in the cut. Doesn't that seem a little dangerous? Actually, it like, seems weird. It feels like it, it feels like you could accidentally get some thing. Like it could tell you some things about you that you might not know, or it could tell your friends something about you that you might not know. Yeah. Like I'm trying to talk to a pretty girl, and all of a sudden it starts recording. Yeah. Although I guess I have problems if I have one of those on my head while I'm trying to talk. It's to it's, it's, <laughs> it's unlikely she'd be talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So stupid or amazing? I'll go with amazing on this. Although deep down I've to take the words from Larry David, why does everybody need a picture of everything? Like why <laughs> does this need to come out? But I do really like this idea because the thing that ends up with, if you've used a GoPro or anything like that, you just end up with a whole lot of downtime and it's a lot of you standing around or whatever. And the idea of just condensing however many hours, it has a three hour battery life, so that's kind of limiting itself. But if you can just condense that down to what is essentially like a, I don't know, a, uh, like a trailer, for you know all the exciting parts, I think that could be really cool. That actually takes a lot of the you know if anybody's ever done any yeah. video editing, that's it's, yeah. it's tedious. Do we know how much editing you can do after? I mean, can you edit it after all of that? I mean, well, I'm can sure you go back in and, and choose things that it didn't choose? Because I feel like I'd worry that it would lose things. I think it still captures all the video. Yeah, it's just that you can say, okay, put the the Grava cut together. That's pretty amazing. Um, I think. I worry that it's just kind of only going to capture like car accidents and muggings because I feel like those are the things that would really get someone's heart rate up, unlike uh, someone walking in front of their bike. But um, if it actually works as it says it does and it's not as creepy as I think it is, I think it'd be pretty amazing. Just to play devil's advocate for a minute, I mean, I think I will say I think it's kind of amazing, but um, I have a psych degree. And anytime anyone starts talking about like, oh, we can mimic the way the human memory works, like, no, you can't. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's pretty complicated. Yeah. And and so I, I wonder, you know, how sensitive is this heart rate monitor to the kinds of things that would get you, you know, like your your heart rate's probably not going to jump that much just because you like saw a deer, you know, but you might yeah. want to remember that. And yeah, there's an accelerometer, but maybe maybe the time you stop fast isn't the thing that you wanted to remember. Maybe you saw something beautiful that you wanted to remember, but there's no there's none of those elements were involved. I mean, there's obviously a lot of nuance to the way that we get excited by things or want to remember things. Mm -hmm. I think this is clearly it's like the idea definitely is amazing, but it's all about the execution. There's like another video on there. Um, on their website of like the best 30 seconds of like footage shot by a guy riding a motorcycle mm -hmm. and it's just like every time a, a motorcycle drives by him and he like turns his head to see it and that's like what it's like 30 seconds of that right you that's, know? that's what I mean that's the kind of things I wonder I wonder if it would just get very similar through you'd get similar sorts of um, of shots throughout the entire thing yeah. and you would miss that I mean when you look at a, a great documentary I mean obviously if you're editing this yourself and you're not a filmmaker you're not going to make a beautiful um, film out of it. You're not going to be able yeah. to make a beautiful documentary out of it. But what really is great about those are, you know, long shots or, you know, 
like pans or things where there is some downtime and there's mm -hmm. di and dynamics is what you need. And I wonder if by reducing it to the, these um, five symbols and having or five signals and, and having less control over it, you end up with just something that doesn't have dynamics like that. It's kind of interesting to think about what why, why do they think that people will be drawn to that? Why are you guys like at all part? worried that you would? Just like it would just tell you that your life was all boring. Like it would just like <laughs> you would like you would no, try to get the no, grava cut. It'd be like with no material. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you give me? Because I <laughs> what? I feel like you should be. Oh no, I am. That's what I just thought maybe somebody else was. I've been told that by enough other things. I don't need a camera to tell me that too. <laughs> well, is inanimate objects are telling you that your life is worthless. <laughs> this uh, the thing that comes with it. I guess this guy. This is why they feel okay saying it works like the human brain. Is that there's a learning algorithm involved. So if you say to it. Grava, I forget, so it's G-R-A-A-V-A, -A -A. not sure how you pronounce that, but you can say that and it'll cue it to um, like basically bookmark whatever you're looking at. So you, have say, you have to say Grava oh, though? You can't, you could, it'll do it automatically. It has like GPS with, it'll say like, oh, you're coming up on, uh, you know, Mount Whitney or something like that. And it'll say, this is a serious landmark, should keep this as, bookmark this as something. So it talks to you? It doesn't talk to you. It just it'll just do it automatically. Oh, but it's sensing, it's using location to figure that out. And then... The idea is that you you tell it, okay, I want to bookmark these things, and then so what it does is apparently it will notice kind of what factors are there, and the idea is that it'll keep it'll record stuff that you are predisposed to like. So if you keep on recording, I don't know, sunsets or long landscapes or something like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, so I think you're like a really well, jumpy. Per yeah, that's so I feel like a really jumpy person. It can learn like every time the heart rate goes up, we don't have like to calm this. down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is just a tightly wound <laughs> yeah, individual right. here. Just on heart rates, I feel like all it would get is video of me climbing stairs. <laughs> <laughs> well it's a good way too to compare like whose life is the most exciting right like everybody takes turn wearing it for a day so we should do that i think we should do that i really I think, think we should, should do, do it that. yeah yeah do we get to choose which day i mean we, we like you it's, we could make it not fair because you everyone's gonna pack out their day with the coolest things yeah do. so i have to find like a water so it's slide like a, it's like and a, a horse to ride and you know, skydiving yeah. to do something like that all yeah. in one day. Yeah, you should just go back to Newport Beach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hopping <laughs> fences, <laughs> getting arrested. <laughs> Officer, I need that back. <laughs> um, okay, so we have, to, we have to actually come down hard, stupid or amazing. I'm, I'm going to go with amazing. I'll say amazing. For sake of argument, I think it's kind of stupid. I was gonna say stupid, but I'm gonna I'm switching to amazing. This is ridiculous. You guys are just choosing hung jury. I no, no, I was I was on the fence, but really I was just thinking about Cameron's climbing stairs. Oh, on my day, I'm just gonna take the elevator. All right, we've actually had a, a good string of amazing things now. I think. Thanks, guys. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. This has been the How Your World Works podcast, produced by Jack Dillon. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers of Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief, Ryan D'Agostino. We'd love it if you'd go on iTunes and subscribe to our show, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We want to know what you think, and it really helps us. You can also check out the most useful podcast ever, another member of the Popular Mechanics podcast family. To see links to the Grava camera that we called amazing on today's edition of Stupid or Amazing, go to popularmechanics.com podcasts. And while you're at popularmechanics.com, you can subscribe to the print and digital editions of the magazine for only $13 for one year. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.